The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. The Pac-12 championship game could be decided, or will it? Potential Big 12 stumbling blocks, and where will the upset line? Do any of us have the guts to pick it in the race for the ribeye? This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, November 18th. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly, who we have distracted from uh, following soccer and the World <laughs> Cup, where they do not pick up the ball, tuck it with uh, five points of pressure, lower their shoulder, and get first downs. But Bill likes it anyway. Uh, so, Bill, uh, Pete and I, if Pete were going to fill out a soccer pool, which would not be against any ethical standards, uh, who who should he go? Who should he go with in the World Cup? Well, I mean, if it's just a free-for-all and you get to pick whoever you want and there are no odds or prices involved, then, I mean, the favorites are Brazil and Argentina for a reason, I think. Um, you know, I, 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 it's one of those, like, it's it, it, any of this is going to be, you know, pick the field over one team. And so it's nothing crazy, but it's still, I really like Argentina, especially, I think they've got, Brazil's pretty old in defense and uh, Argentina's got really lovely depth and some guy named Messi up front who who can still kick a ball reasonably well. So I think they're probably the best combination of, you know, talent and form and health and all this other stuff. So I like Argentina. Who's the best price spill? Like in horse racing, like you never want to bet on the one-to-one. You want the eight-to-one that like is a little frisky that's got a shot. Who's the best price? Honestly, like the prices are pretty good. I think overall, I would still probably say Argentina, but that's boring. So um, if we go further down, I like, you know, Spain has a great identity. They know exactly what they want to do. They're like at plus seven, 50 or something like that. So decent odds. They can't score. Like they don't have a finisher, which is kind of, it was a problem for them in the Euros. And oh, they're, they're Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> They, is that yeah. is that it? Is that yeah? They basically yeah. You won't get. You will never have the ball in a threatening area. But they they would don't know what to do when they have the ball in a threatening area either. So yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay. All right. So who? All right. And then I promise <laughs> because we got a lot of fans in it. So we've identified who Iowa is. So who's North Carolina? All offense, no defense. <laughs> um, I don't try, even though Netherlands has a couple of very good center backs, they do the whole high risk, high line kind of stuff that usually when it doesn't work, you give up three goals, even if you have the best defenders in the world. So that feels pretty, they, they can score on anybody and, and they want to score on anybody. Um, but they or Zach Germany. Chizik. <laughs> they, they, Germany and Netherlands are both uh, Chiswick-esque at times in their transition defense. So. Don't don't think and don't you think for a second, Bill, as our friendship has evolved over these Friday appearances, <laughs> that I haven't noticed that I haven't noticed you sneaking in lovely into your into your football columns too. That's oh, very. That's a very. That's a very soccer term. I, I long years. ago. I don't. I don't remember how many years, but it just. Uh, just because I've been watching a lot of it was Champions League season, I guess. I, I said. The, I said the word pitch instead of field, just oh. to see, just to kind of squeeze it in there oh. and, and to enjoy it myself. 
So many people got so mad. Yeah, and I have not you, done that since. <laughs> if you, if who's you, uh, App State Bill? Like, who's the lovable underdog who like should take on the world? In, oh, in, there's in you got you got quite a few of those. Okay, uh, they're, they're, we do not lack. Um, you know, all right. Ghana has used the transfer portal pretty well. Hmm. Over all right, the last couple. There they we go. Out, some nil in Ghana. Uh, you know, uh, some some old relatives who are suddenly who, who suddenly qualified them for the team. But, no, they seriously have. They're, they've added a couple of very talented players recently. Um, and they're, they're so they're kind of fun. I really like, um, let's see, Canada's fast and their goalkeeper wears sweatpants. That's kind of fun. I am um, bad on Canada. <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually. I don't know if he'll he'll break out the sweatpants for for Cutter. Uh, you know, that might be he might have regular attire there. But they're interesting. Um, you know, the, plenty of Switzerland's very fun and interesting, very physical and kind of cranky. That so that's always fun. Senegal's fun. There are a lot of good underdogs in this tournament. Oh, okay, and so real quickly, one last, but I'm going to turn it the other way now. Oh, which college football coach is Ted Lasso? Oh, um. Hmm. I mean, no, I was, you know, Mike Leach is too obvious, but he's also kind of cranky. Uh, so yeah, but he knows, but he knows, he knows what he's doing schematically. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, Mike does. <laughs> and so also perfecting his cough. Um, yeah. Yeah. He had a great, by the way, the, 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 the halftime interview with Molly McGrath last week was, was amazing. Oh, was one yeah. of his better. Yeah. There's a great story on her uh, that recounted that in the athletic today. On the athletic, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really, really well okay. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. No, no, it was great. Was okay, something. all right. We've uh, we've, we've it's beat- PJ Fleck is is Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, God, I think it, well, I would have said Will Healy, but he got sacked too. So. Wait, he did. He did get sacked. I hate to pile on poor Will Healy, but I'm, <laughs> I don't remember if I've told this story in the podcast or not before. But you know, Charlotte was awful. They were the opposite of lovely. They were ugly, and then and then they go. The next week after Will gets fired, who I think everybody likes Will, you know, th- thought he was a good coach. Certainly we had him on game day last year after they beat Duke and you know things seemed to be going that way. And I texted Pete when they were just blasting Rice the next game. And I said, blasting. I said, did they really hate Will Healy that much? You know, or He's a really likable guy too. Yeah, I was so gonna it say was, it was confounding. They, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, or if they loved him and they were angry that he got I'm, I'm not saying it. he got fired, uh, although I do like it when they say sacked on Monty Python, the quest of the Holy Grail. But so maybe I can say it. But if they did like him, well, then why didn't you guys start doing that earlier? You know, but any anyway. So, yeah, that boost didn't last very long, though. They kind of fell back apart pretty quick. Yeah, after that. yeah. <laughs> they did. Well, let's let's make some picks, gentlemen, as we head into this weekend before rivalry weekend with a few good rivalry games uh, on the docket as well. Taylor, what do you have for us? Gentlemen, it is the race for the ribeye week 12. The stakes are stakes as they have been every week. And uh, last week, everyone went six and four. So the best week for everyone. And I mean, I was pretty impressed with you guys. And then we have a tight race here. So Bill, he has 47 correct selections. Reese has 45 and out of heat. Who has knows 44. how many? Yeah, we don't, nah, don't worry about it. No, you know what? You know what? No, I'm going to I'm going to tell him, Taylor, you sent it to me in an email. So I'm I'm looking right now. I'm going to tell the people because I'm Brave. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of it. I mean, it really it's, just it's, shows we're due if well, people are actually going to bet on these picks. OK, Bill, <laughs> Bill is nine games under 500 i'm 13 games under 500 and so is pete with a push but i have one more correct pick than pete does also one more loss 
So anyway. I, so I like to think of myself before, as zero games. Before we behind. start here, I have to bring something up with up. Taylor. So I happened to be uh, looking around on Apple Podcasts last night, and there was a review that went right at you, Taylor. It, oh no! It it starkly criticized the mooing between the bumps. It was oddly <laughs> specific. Usually, the reviews just say "Thamel sucks," <laughs> you know. Whatever. Why? Get, why would you get look that at Matt that? Dork Connolly off there? No, yeah. it was really interesting because because the volume of the mooing, I guess, was like uh, oh. was was oh, okay. was was so loud. <laughs> but the, the review also said I talk too much, so I want to be clear. It's probably pretty pretty spot it's on. It's a but podcast. Anyway, well, I, we we all do. I mean, I mean, the whole the subtitle <laughs> of this podcast is talkative and undisciplined. I mean, we hold up to that. Uh, oh come on! Yes. So you know, the, it, the volume of the moo is of much consternation by uh yeah it's probably the same ls make it louder hate reese's uh <laughs> yeah back in back in the back anyway, in the day bring they, it up uh, back in the day they had this uh sports center anchor bracket and you could you vote and then you'd say mean things about people <laughs> and uh and my wife and my son who is then you know seven or eight years old maybe something like that they they were looking at it and it really angered them especially i mean you know, I've angered both of them a lot. And I was like, don't, just don't. I was like, it's like, it's a, it's a lot like going to a restaurant and then going home after a good meal. Now you might say on the way out the door, that was a nice meal. Thank you for the service. That was great, whatever. But rarely do you get home and call the restaurant back and say, you know, I just wanted to tell you again, that was fantastic. <laughs> I love that meal. But now if you went and if you found, you know, like a nail in your baked potato, well, or, you know, a, a piece of hair, you know, or something like that, a glob of a mustache, you know, in your in your green beans. Well, then you're probably going to try to appeal to a higher authority and you're going to, you know, rip somebody. So you have to take that with take that with a grain of salt. And also because I don't like it. So I don't ever, you know, I mean, who likes it? You know. <laughs> Oh, some do. Uh, David Pollock kind of does. He likes it a little bit. He like just yeah. to stir the pot a little. That's all. I just I yeah, thought I it was. It. I, thought, I thought it was interesting. We we need it's Taylor fun. to stay on point. So yeah, you know. Taylor, Taylor, don't 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 worry about the haters. I appreciate these valuable life lessons you all are imparting on me. I today. mean, he's a Maryland fan, so he's used to adversity. Yeah, um, that is yeah, true. Oh yeah. Well, you've got some. <laughs> you cost me some this year too, and some I, different <laughs> things. All right, let's. Would, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Go Terps. Go Illinois heading to Michigan, Michigan, an 18 point favorite. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill, uh, Bill. I said this on Wednesday. I, I really, really like Michigan as a team. I think Michigan can beat Ohio state. I don't, yep. I mean, I'll favor them too, but I think they can. That's how I think they're really good. And it's not that I think Illinois, Illinois is great. They're certainly not playing their best ball right now, but with their defense and the way both teams play and the limited possessions I you know look Michigan could beat them 49 to 7 sure they could but I'm going to take the 18 points I don't think Illinois has a chance in the world to win the game even with Michigan playing Ohio State next week it's too many points for my blood for the style of both teams so I'm, I'm going to take Illinois in the points so I'm uh I'm up next here and, and Bill reason I did discuss this on the Wednesday podcast, which I'm sure you listened to uh, you know, in uh while you were watching like World Cup warm-up uh <laughs> matchups on grainy feeds from Ghana. Uh oh, just all I, flashback games, 2018, I, studying those again. Yeah, that kind yes, of thing. exactly. Tactical uh tactical <laughs> right. roots. Um I would think that uh if I was to wager on this game, so I'm gonna take Illinois. 
if I were to wager on this game, I would watch very closely the status of uh, running back Chase Brown. Brett Bielma said earlier this week he's trending in the right direction. But also, if I was Brett Bielma, I would not say, hey, Chase Brown, the best running back in the country, is going to be out so they could prepare differently. So that is a uh, that is an ongoing saga um, that you should uh, you should pay attention to if you are indeed going to invest in the outcome of this game. I am. Um... Well, first of all, that was that is very good to hear because you know when they, after he got hurt on the sideline, there people around him it was like they're trying not to cry. Like it was it, it was very somber when he was sitting over there in pain on the on the sideline. But I think what we saw the last couple of weeks is if if you can't if Illinois can't derive a, a solid advantage from Chase Brown, just in pure yardage and and key yardage and everything else, they have no way to generate an advantage. Uh, if you can match what Chase Brown does. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Michigan with Corum and whoever else they decide to throw out there can match what Chase Brown does, even if it's 100%. Yeah, I, I don't see any advantages Illinois has in this game at this point. It, it could very well stay under uh, the line just because Michigan doesn't really care. Like, they'll just continue to grind. We saw that last week. Corum should have never had 29 touches against Nebraska last week. That was a little careless, I thought. But he's going to get touches and they're going to win. And and I'm going to go ahead and pick Michigan just to be different, even though I should be running out the clock and making as many picks unanimous as possible. <laughs> I, I feel like this one could very easily be 24 to 27, even in low possessions. I don't think Illinois has an advantage here. Hey, you Thanks guys probably pigeon some bread. Bill. We appreciate it. <laughs> you, you guys probably know this, but I think we've come up and I had Marissa Dowling, our great researcher uh, confirm this when I saw it, here is a, relatively concise way to figure out the Big Ten West right now. And all of it assumes, the reason I bring it up is because we're on on this game. All of it, assuming an Illinois loss, right. which is probably <laughs> dangerous, but just say Illinois loses to Michigan and Ann Arbor, as everyone expects. If that happens, then the Iowa-Minnesota game, Floyd of Rosedale controls everything. If Iowa wins, Iowa controls their destiny or their fate as much as destiny can be controlled, but that's a different podcast discussion for a different day. If Minnesota beats Iowa, then it falls to Purdue right. to be in charge of the division. So that's fairly concise. Way. Is there a quiz? Iowa. No, does there's I, no Iowa. How, yeah, how about everybody's looking forward to that Iowa either yeah. either rematch Iowa Michigan or Iowa Ohio yeah, State. I, yeah, Iowa's not looking forward to that. Iowa doesn't want any part of that. They're just going <laughs> to win the division out of spite. <laughs> Before we move on, I want to quickly mention the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. Three times a week, Brian and ESPN's NBA insiders are sorting out life in and around the NBA world. You can follow the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst wherever you're listening to this podcast. Get your fill of Wendy or watch your show on YouTube. Get your fill of Wendy or you can watch the show on YouTube. All right, next game here, TCU, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Baylor. Love a rivalry game with some stakes that aren't stakes. Let's go Pete Bill Reese. So I've been a little bit of a TCU skeptic. I, I picked Texas last week, which seemed foolish since uh, they still haven't gained a yard on offense um, to now. So, and again, uh, Baylor will be a difficult place to play. It'll be it'll be as hostile an environment as one can have at 11 a.m. in uh, in, in Waco. Um 
but I just feel like at this point I am I am convinced on TCU. I feel like the three three five can slow down Baylor enough up front, and I, I feel like their offense can can move the ball in a Baylor defense that's been a bit fitful in in how they've played this year. So that's a that's a that's a low price, and I think there's going to be some steam out of Baylor's fan base just considering how. Um, you know, there's this season just hasn't gone up to what they thought. And look, until last week, there were championship uh, aspirations there that are, are not completely extinguished, but uh, look pretty dim. So I think the Horn Frogs keep rolling. I I am a skeptic no longer. Yeah, I, I until last week, this did seem to be trending towards a pretty even battle. You know, Baylor had rebounded nicely. They'd won three in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, the OU game was pretty turnover driven, but they still won it. Um, and you know, then last week, uh, you know, for, TCU crashed on one side of the ball and, and Baylor crashed on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I think this could still be one of those bounce back situations. The crowd's going to be into it. Like you said, Blake, I just need to see something for Blake Shapin. Last two games, his pass rating has been under 100. Uh, he's, let's see, 36 for 61, which isn't horrible, but for only 335 yards, three picks, no touchdowns, just not offering anything to there. And Baylor's becoming very one note on offense. And so... I like I I, I kind of want to see a really fun environment, but I just I trust TCU way way more in this game, and you know it's two and a half, so you're basically picking the the money line at this point, and and I'm very much leaning TCU in that regard. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on TCU as well. I do expect them to because they have had games that started slowly, even away from a situation like this one. That was a big emotional expenditure in Austin seven and a half point dog everybody doubting them uh and just the fact that it's Texas you know now now everybody in the conference uh fairly or unfairly seems to have a fairly high level of disdain for all things Baylor but um you know I don't think it's the same when it as opposed to when it's Texas and that burn orange and sort of ubiquitous feel across the state that they're the big brother and you're the little, you know, little one always being pushed back into the corner. That's how Gary Patterson built TCU. And then Sonny Dykes seemed to capitalize on that uh, feeling and emotion to get his defense to play its best game of the season by far. So I think TCU will come out flat. I think they will look like they're in danger for a while, but I think they have more capabilities to make game-winning plays and big plays and will and will win the game and will cover uh, the team that has the best record against the spread in all of college football <laughs> this year. TCU will cover. That's a good stat. I didn't know that. It is good! We were talking uh, Apple Podcast reviews a moment ago, and uh, I happened to pull them up. And there's a there's a review labeled UConn in all caps. It is one star, and it says Pete <laughs> talked about UConn and didn't mention New England United. Come on, Pete. This is from August 29th, and uh, we're still talking about UConn in uh, in November here. They beat Liberty last week. They're going Army. Army a ten point favorite. Army kind of ungood this year. Kind of a weird line. Let's go, yeah. Bill Reese, Pete. So. I, I like, you know, kind of tracking trends as I'm going through here and trying to figure games out. Who's been ex- exceeding projections lately? Who hasn't? Um, Connecticut has now uh, exceeded projections for seven straight weeks. Um, not bad. That's by an average of 15 points a game. Uh, so, so they early in the season, they were, you know, they were a little competitive against Utah State, but it turned out Utah State stunk. Um, getting blown out by Syracuse maybe wasn't as bad as it seemed at the time in Michigan, of course. But once the, the schedule eased up just a little bit, like they have really, really found some things out. Like this isn't an amazing team. I'm not going to 
pretend, but they are continuing to move up. And, and that's pretty exciting. Problem is Army has also kind of rebounded a little bit and they've also uh, exceeded expectations or projections for four straight games, even though they lost two of them. Um, and if I think, I feel like at this point, Army needs this one more. They're three and six um, winnable games down the stretch here. They could still get to six and six. UConn just won their bowl game. Basically they got to six. And uh, I feel like uh, my numbers lean slightly toward army and that's, that's enough for me. I I'll, I'll, I'll lean on the side of the numbers here and the team that has more to play for. And so you're, and you're getting, you're taking them to cover the I'll tell, 10. Yeah, I'll take them. I figure 13, 14 is the most likely here. Okay. I loyal, loyal listeners of this first year podcast know how, what a big fan I am of Jeff Munkin. And I know the record this year is probably not going to uh, g- grant him a move in this coaching cycle. One of these days, somebody's going to get smart and they're going to hire him. And probably the same could be said for Jim Mora. But I, th- I think that's especially true for Jeff. I don't think this is his best Army team, though they are improving. They should have beaten Troy Saturday, missed a field goal late that they would have won the game. Troy's a really good team, 8-2. and two. UConn's rush defense, just okay. Um, gave up a bunch of yards to Liberty. But I, I just can't I can't lay ten with this brave old Army team. Uh, so I'm I think Army wins the game at home, um, and maybe they do run wild. And I do I think you're spot on, Bill, with UConn not being able to get to that same emotional pitch after after beating Liberty last week. But I, I'm going to take I'm going to take the ten on the road and figure that Army wins, but by less than the number. So to to uh, respond four months later to the Apple podcast review, <laughs> New England United uh, was a gag on our old podcast that was the theory that UMass and UConn should combine like a soccer team and become New England United. And we had a home stadium for them in Holyoke, Mass, which is kind of like on the border between stores and Amherst. And it was it was kind of a whole bit, especially as both those teams really struggled uh, the last uh, the last few years. So uh, that said. I, I actually went on my app when I saw uh, Taylor's email. Not that I don't trust Taylor. And I was like, wait, is UConn favored by 10 or is Army favored by 10? So, because um, I just, it just seemed off putting that this three and six Army team who hasn't been able to score and scored nine points uh, against Troy last week would be favored by double digits against the mighty Huskies. Um, my greatest accomplishment in my short tenure at ESPN was writing that Jim Morris house was haunted. Like that is uh, sources close to the ghostbusters had confirmed it to me this summer. Um, so my heart is in stores with, uh, with all of the uh, extraterrestrial beings haunting Jim Morris house. I will say this Zion Turner, the UConn quarterback has been a revelation. He was yeah. at St. Thomas Aquinas uh, and came through. I just think they'll be able to score some points and army will probably be able to run on that UConn defense. Um, my last thought on UConn football, and I've already had too many, is that like Jim Moore is the defensive coordinator, basically. And like Jim Moore knows what he's doing. And I think that's been a big part of this UConn revival. Nick Charlton knows he's been great, but like Jim Moore can coordinate a defense. He's done it at quite a few levels in quite a few high-end ways. And usually uh, a coach like Mora has started Army practice periods in the spring and everything. So I think I think the, uh, the old Huskies will be ready. And uh, I can't promise they'll win, but... The only reason I would pick Army in this game is it's such a preposterous line. So (laughs) it just seemed off-putting to me. It is good! 
into the uh, the thick of the four and three Big Ten West logjam we go. Iowa heading to Minnesota. Minnesota three point favorite at home. Let's go, Reese, Pete, Bill. This is a great trophy game, men. Void of Rosedale. Void of Rosedale, the prized pig that was uh, offered up to uh, tamp down the hostilities and the intensity between these two rivals in the 30s. Uh, Floyd was was offered up by the Minnesota governor back in the day and then was won. It was named after uh, Floyd Olson, the Minnesota governor, and he has buried the actual pig about at the midway point between the two campuses. They have the big trophy now that they play for that goes back and forth. Um, I should know better than to than to go against Iowa as uh, as well as they played on defense. But I mean, they just won a game where they got 146 oh. yards of offense. I mean, I, that that seems impossible to me. Minnesota uh, has been a bit of a disappointment, candidly to me, relative to what I expected for them, and yet. Uh, PJ Flex team is still seven and three. They've got to have a lot of things go just right for them to be the ones to represent the Big Ten West. Got um, Mohammed Ibrahim, who will test that great Iowa defense. He's got uh, 18 rushing touchdowns, and that's number one in the country. Iowa has allowed a grand total of three rushing touchdowns all season. That's tied with Georgia for the fewest in the nation. My gut tells me to pick Iowa, but I'm going to go against it because I don't know that you can keep going to that well. I know defense travels and all of that, but I'm 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 going to go I'm going to go with Minnesota. I'm going to go with Fleck and the Gophers to cover the small spread and and get the win. So Iowa has been PJ Fleck's bugaboo. Uh, yeah. The Hawkeyes have won seven straight in this series. Uh, I think we all remember Kirk Ferentz burning those timeouts right into Fleck's soul a couple of years back in mm-hmm. one of like the great petty. And it was so great because it was from Kirk Ferentz, who you would never think would be that petty. And he certainly went like sportsmanship right out the window. So I'm all for tension and pettiness. So it was it was a remarkable, uh, remarkable moment. So needless to say, these are two programs that don't like each other. And the fact that they'll be playing on a uh, on a frigid day in Minneapolis um, just, I think, intensifies the the, the spite a little bit. Uh, investors should note um, the health of, uh, of, of Tanner Morgan. Ethan Kaliak Manis, and one of my defining memories from this, uh, my first season on game day is walking around Eugene, Oregon at 4.30 in the morning saying Kaliak Manis out loud with Pat McAfee because um, we were all learning how to pronounce it because he was making his first uh, his first start that day. Uh, he's played pretty well, giving them a little spark. Tanner Morgan's obviously been a, uh, you know, consummate program guy, no mistake guy, but Kaliak Manis is the future there. So the, the fate of who will start will certainly be something to watch uh, before investments happen. But I'm going to take the Gophers. I feel like they get over the schneid. I just feel like relying on defense and special teams in a formula to win a game, although they've been wildly successful with it, um, is is just a difficult – it's a difficult lifestyle. Um, now, it's certainly been a trend, and if they do it this weekend, it's going to be a lifestyle. But I do think uh, under – under Flack, Minnesota has always been very sound, and they have not beaten themselves. And so, I feel like they can uh, they can use Ibrahim and, and others to, to to figure out a way to outgrind Iowa and uh, and get a win. And Minnesota's defense is top ten in the country too. No, Garage has done yeah. a really nice job, and uh, probably a little underappreciated in the, in in the grand scheme. 
Yeah, the somebody asked me uh, during Saturday's game, right after the uh, just atrocious Iowa Wisconsin game ended. Like I'm, every time I flip over there, I watch two plays and I groan and I find another game to watch for a little bit. But um, somebody they, they asked, you know, two point one yards per play for Iowa in that game. Like what what are the the what are the dumbest wins? Who who is who is who can top two point one yards per play in a win of two touchdowns or more? And so I looked it up in our in our true media tool. Uh, you have to go back to twenty eleven. Uh, Florida State beat Florida while averaging one point six yards per play. Um, stupid must champ game basically. Uh, two thousand seven Notre Dame Bowden? beat. Huh? Was it Bowden eleven? Uh, no, no I think that. That was Jimbo, I think that's yeah. Jimbo, I think. Yeah. 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 Because they won um, the title uh in 13. 13. Yeah. Yeah. So two years. Uh so that was that was bad. Then you got 2007 Notre Dame beating UCLA, Carl Durrell's UCLA, um, averaging 2.1 yards per play. And Iowa was third. Um, that was going back to I think 2007. Only three teams have managed that. You had that terrible, that ridiculous uh, Missouri blowout win over Florida, where they averaged 2.4, and Marcus Murphy just scored a bunch of return touchdowns and everything. That was 2.4, and somehow Iowa came under that one. So this is even for Iowa. Last week was kind of newfound territory, and the idea of of picking against that. Um, especially against a team they beat every single year. Like that just Kirk Ferentz does not lose to PJ Fleck. You know, it, it, it feels very dumb to, to pick against that. And I, but I want to, I, I want to pick, I want to become the change I want to see in the world here. And I'm going to pick Minnesota. Oh no. Congratulations, to, Iowa. I know. I know. It's, but again, it helps me when we're unanimous anyway. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, no, I, I just, you know, Ibrahim is the only offensive weapon in this game at this point. And, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if they throw a bunch of interceptions as Iowa is want to force, then, you know, great. They, I was going to win again, but if I, Minnesota just avoids turnovers and hands the ball off a lot, they'll, they'll win. And that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to go for. I don't want to hand this division to Iowa just yet. Are there prop bet for punt over unders? Oh man. Well, and the other thing is they go so slow. Like there are going to be eight possessions for each team in this game, and there will be fifteen punts. I want to see what the weather is going to be there Saturday. In part because I'm flying through there on Friday to go to Bozeman, <laughs> so I don't want to be stuck. But <laughs> oh, this that game deserves snow, right? It deserves like that. Just that that's really the only way to uh, to to properly uh, to properly celebrate that game. So it is right now a balmy thirty-two in the Twin Cities. Uh, Saturday, we have uh, this is a nice range a low of 11 and a high of 20. Partly sunny. That, that fits. That's, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. I wish there were a snowflake or two there, but can't win them all. We've got two monster games out West in the Pac-12. The first one here, USC, a two and a half point favorite heading across town to UCLA. They're pulling the tarps up, fellas. I think that allows 17,000 more people into the Rose Bowl. So exciting stuff for Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Let's do Pete, Bill, Reese for this one. Yeah, UCLA is PR people spamming everybody that we actually sold out was one of my favorite dark highlights of the uh, of the, the week. <laughs> hey, more people are going to come than the Bowling Green game and the South Alabama game. Um, 
interesting game because like there's there's sort of reasons for resounding skepticism about both of these teams. Uh, UCLA's defensive no show uh, against USC. Bill McGovern, their defensive coordinator, hasn't actually coached the the, the past few games. It appears to be uh, appears to be some type of uh, some type of personal health issue um, from from what's been sort of. Uh, vaguely reported out there. So, um, and look, Bill McGovern's a very good veteran defensive coordinator. He's been in the NFL for a long time. And UCLA's defense has, has you know, without their play caller, uh, declined a little bit. Um, in that stead, Arizona obviously had their way with them on uh, on, on Saturday night. Um, USC's defense, uh, I called around about Oregon the other day uh, for some stuff for game day and, and sort of caught some shrapnel from coaches who were like, and UC, USC's defense stinks too. They're worse than Oregon. Like there was, there were people are volunteering like the, the stuff like that. Um, it, it makes you think there is a, uh, there is a vulnerability there. Um, I am going to take the Trojans anyway, because I just don't trust UCLA's defense and, uh, I just think that the dynamism of Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, it appears like USC is getting healthy again. Um, they had had some key guys out here and there, but like, let's, let's go like full rip 52, 42 on this game. Like there will be nobody stopping anybody. And uh, I don't know what the over under is, but like that, I think this will be sort of like your, your generation stereotypical pack 12 up and down, you know, each quarterback's going to have 50 attempts. Like this thing's going to, this thing's going to rip and run. So I hope for a fun one in the Rose bowl, but I am not going to bet against Caleb Williams, the way you these defenses look lately. Yeah. It's over under is like 76 mid seventies at least. Um, and, and I mean, of course, it same is. as Iowa, Minnesota, right? I, of course. Yeah. If Iowa and Minnesota <laughs> played four times, um, <laughs> No, I, I I had to write about this game for my Friday preview, and I, I don't think I found a single defensive advantage just at all for either team. Uh, UCLA prevents big plays better. Uh, UC, USC is a little better in the red zone. Um, you know, USC is a little more likely to force a turnover, though that was kind of that was a big string of kind of good fortune early on, and it's evened out since. I, I got I got. Nothing. It really is going to be. This is like previewing the UCLA Oregon game a few weeks ago. Any stop's a great stop. Any forced field goal is is an absolute win. It's a service break, however we want to describe it. So um I this feels very even. Obviously, the last impression we got of UCLA was the worst one. Um, you know, the the offense also failed a couple of times. You, you never want to the offense still had a ton of yards and 28 points and all that. So the defense was more to blame, but the offense kind of blinked a couple of times and uh, they, they let one go that they shouldn't have, but I still see a really, really even game on paper. So I'll take whoever's like, wherever I'm given points, I'll take it and I'll go UCLA in this one. Let me interrupt quick Reese to ask Bill, what's the world cup equivalent of this game? Cause I would make it a point to watch it. Oh, so a couple of weeks ago, I wrote about um, a game from 1966, really, like just the stats, the charting stats that we have. There's a game, uh, North Korea versus Portugal was 5-3 Portugal. No, North Korea scores like three goals in like 20 minutes, and then Portugal with the steam rolls in from there and everything. But it's 5-3, and it really, there were a ton of shots, and it was really fun to watch because neither team, there's no pressing, there's no anything. They're just running up and down the field and shooting. Um, I meant in this World Cup, Bill. No, no that's, <laughs> that was, that's, I, I don't think that that's that type of soccer is played anymore okay. at the at the highest level. I have to go back 60 years to to get a good example there. <laughs> I expect that type of game too, but then again, I sort of expected that type of game or at least something in that vein. 
in Austin last Saturday yeah. night, and, yeah, I got se- sure. and I got 17-10 instead, <laughs> and no offensive touchdowns for Burn Orange. Um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson said this week that after putting a rivalry record 62 on SC <laughs> last year, that he wanted to hang 60 on them again. So I like that. There's no love, love lost there, and uh, the rivalry getting stoked up for the old victory bell, which used to actually be on a locomotive. So you gotta gotta like that part of it. Um, I, I I don't know that game, even though I really really like what Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowling, and Arizona has done this year in terms of improvement. That one, that one sticks with me a little yeah. bit, especially with so much at stake for UCLA and to get caught like that. SC didn't look great for a while against Colorado either last week. So it's not like they're, you know, I'm not sure that they're necessarily hitting on all cylinders in every facet of the game. But I'm going to default to more explosive score easier. And I'm going to go with USC, though I do want to offer this caveat. It could be that missing Travis Dye is yeah. a is a bigger deal. Not not that people didn't think it was a big deal because they've got, you know, they've got freshman Brown, they've got uh, Austin Jones, you know, the transfer from Stanford. But that may turn out to be a really, really big deal for giving them the balance on offense. So I'm I'm taking SC. But uh, I think this game is probably going to turn on a mistake, a big play. You know, one little thing can swing the game in either direction. I think there will be a lot of points put up. But I'll I'll go with SC because I I think they're just a little bit better. It is good! Last one on our board before we get to your locks. A delightful Pac-12 after dark affair, Utah at Oregon. Oregon, a three-point favorite. Let's go Bill, Reese, Pete. I really do hate that both of these games kind of lost at least a little bit of a luster uh, last Saturday night, even though both games, even though both results that caused that lack of that loss of luster was really fun. I, you know, this one, I thought this was going to be the big gut check test for Oregon here. Just in that, you know, last two times we saw them play Utah, they were getting obliterated by halftime. Uh, they thought they were big and physical, but they they just weren't really getting it done after the Ohio State game last year. And Utah finally put them in their place and then did it again a few weeks later. Uh, so this is a perfect game to just find out exactly how far Oregon's offense especially has come. Um, you know, the defenses here aren't amazing <laughs> by any means. Oregon can't really defend the pass. Utah, strangely, their run defense has been just put awful numbers up. Um, and, and that might be all that matters. You know, Oregon, well, Oregon trusted its run game so much last week that it went for fourth and one with a backup quarterback in because they just figured they could get a yard. And I think that was the right call, even though it didn't work. Um, that it might just be that Oregon's run def- run game is too good and nothing else matters. But this is a test. I um I, I, my numbers say Oregon and I kind of lean Oregon. And then I remember what we saw the last time these teams played and I feel very stupid about that, but I've already picked Minnesota over Iowa. So I might as well keep the run going here and, and pick another game that my eyes don't really believe I'm going Oregon. Austin has obviously been a, you know, historically tough place to play. And the notion of Oregon losing back-to-back games there is a little bit disorienting. Um, that said, I, <laughs> Part of me still just remembers the the ragdolling that took place in the trenches last year. And again, Oregon's brings back, they've had a very good offensive line this year. Uh, I don't love the the, the Ducks defense. Um, 
The secondary outside of Christian Gonzalez has been pretty vulnerable. Now, it's not like Utah is going to throw it 60 times, but I figure if there's some carryover advantage on the interior and there's some vulnerabilities on the exterior, um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Utes until uh, until there's empirical evidence that shows otherwise. So and I do want to disagree with Bill because I don't want to pay for a stake. <laughs> I, I was going back and forth basically on those those two those two premises last year, Utah was just too much man for them. Just too tough. You know, they Oregon stepped back from the punch in the face. You got to think that they'll respond both to that. A lot of guys were, you know, around, even though I know there's some new guys on the team, but a lot of guys were around for that. And the disappointing loss in a big rivalry game to Washington last weekend, another home game. And really this is the game that will, you know, it will separate Oregon seas and obviously depending on what happens against Beeve, but this will largely separate them as to whether they have just a good season, Dan Lanning's first year, or whether it's an exceptional one. And that said, I, I, I don't think Utah, well, in fact, I know Utah hasn't lived up to what I expected them to be, um, but they're still really good and they're still physical and while they might not throw it 60 times, they might throw it to the tight end 48 times. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think I'm going to go with Utah. I'm, I'm a little scared of the back-to-back uh, Alton uh, Stadium loss thing, but I'm going to go with Utah because when in doubt, um, you know, go with, go with the team that you know is tough. I, I think Oregon's pretty tough, you know, but are they as tough as Utah? We'll find out Saturday night. But right now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Utes. All right, fellas, let's close it down with your locks. Let's go, Bill, Pete, Reese. This is really funny. Like I, we, we, I went six and four in these picks, and then in my column uh, on on last Friday, where I get to pick the games and should always do better, went one and four. Um, so <laughs> I'm full of confidence right now uh, after something like that happens. I, I, there's not a slam dunk here. Every, everybody at this point in the season has given us just giant false impressions and this and that. Um, and in the last three weeks, Kansas State has looked like a top five team, a barely top 50 team and a top five team. Um, and West Virginia has kind of been all over the place too. I still kind of like the line's about seven and a half for Kansas State right now. And um, I, if if the if the Kansas State from two weeks ago shows up, they don't hit it. They're, you know, quarterbacks are all over the place. They still might try to redshirt Will Howard if Adrian Martinez can go. And, and it's a big mess, but whoever's in there is pretty explosive. And Will Howard's even more so, it seems. Uh, so I figure even in Morgantown, uh, I figure Kansas State can win that one by double digits. I... Uh... I'm going to uh, when you hit this point in the season and you're looking, you're looking for locks, you start to look at motivation (laughs) um, and you start to think, okay, who's going to be ready to go pack it in. And when I think about a team that may not be motivated, that's had a disappointing season, that's kind of sputtering in to the final weeks, I think of the beleaguered Houston Cougars. Um, the beleaguered Houston Cougars have given up this season uh, 36 points to Temple, 77 points to SMU, uh, 27 to South Florida right before they fired their coach, uh, 48 to Kansas. Now, that was back when they did have Jalen Daniels. 
27 to Rice. And uh, yeah, they've just been, that is why they have the number 123 scoring defense in the country. So um, all that said, they are going to the not so friendly confines of, of East Carolina and the uh, Pirates are favored by touch. Uh, I think six, I get this right here. I think it's six. I don't want to, I don't want to start giving away points. I'm already bad enough um, at these, uh, at these picks. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to take the Pirates to run big on them and uh, and walk away with a uh, with a fairly comfortable victory. ECU will be very motivated. Um, it will, you know, they're both six and four. Houston's is like a miserable mess. Um, East Carolina has lost a couple of close games. Should be a little better than they are. They had NC State on the ropes. They obviously lost a Navy in overtime. Um, so if I can. Uh, in Greenville at uh, at two o'clock on Saturday, uh, the Pirates are minus six. I am happy to take the Pirates. I'm going to give you. I'm going to tell you which one you can count. Let me. Here's the one you can count. And I'm going to give you another one, Taylor. Here's the one that counts for the lock. This time of year, the one thing you want to do is eliminate a variable, right? If you can. I know I can eliminate the variable of Georgia actually losing the game at Kentucky. So I think that's a three touchdown spread, maybe 22 for the dogs. I'm going to lay them and laugh. That worked for me last week, Ohio State against Indiana. Uh, Kentucky's tough. Kentucky's not going to pack it in. They're not going to quit, but they're not, uh, they're not equipped to stay within the number. And the only way they stay within the number last year was that they ate up the entire fourth That's quarter right. with a 22-play drive and scored for a backdoor touchdown like as time expired with two seconds on the clock. They held the ball like 11 and a half minutes. They're not going to do that. Um, Georgia's going to start tuning up. People need to – I don't know why Georgia's been number one virtually all year. Nobody – Nobody's paid enough attention to them. I don't think that's because they've been so efficient and so good. And then they rise up whenever they are interested and just stomp people. I think they're going to start stomping a lot of people right now and they're going to stomp Kentucky. So I, I will say that's my lot. Here's the other one I just want to get in <laughs> that we haven't talked about Texas and Kansas. Right oh. now, uh, Texas and Kansas, that's a nine point spread. Kansas is getting nine at home. I want you to think about this. In one year's time, oh, from when Kansas beat Texas last year to Saturday, if Kansas could win at home Saturday against Texas, in one year's time, they would win two in a row against the Longhorns, they would have a better record than them, and they would be tied with them in the Big 12 standings and have the advantage for whatever that's worth with head-to-head. Kansas is unbeaten against the spread at home this year, and they've covered five straight against texas so i know the other one has to count the georgia has to count but you heard it here first i wonder about texas motivation after that yeah. disappointment the other night and i would i would say that kansas is a kansas is a potentially smart play on saturday if you do happen to invest in that game jalen daniels is working towards coming back that could be a, a line swing of something pretty significant. I'm not saying he's coming back, but I'm saying it's something worth monitoring. Always keep an eye on it. Gentlemen, best of luck to you. Uh, we'll, we'll see what maybe next week we'll talk to Bill about the new addition to Tennessee's kit. Is that the right word that you <laughs> soccer people like to use with the orange headgears? In case I liked our little soccer chat. I thought that was kind of fun. 
Okay. All right. Well, well yeah. I mean, glad you enjoyed that. This time next week, you know, there, there could be some some cranky American soccer fans too. Uh, oh, USA stinks in soccer. Sorry, they just <laughs> you do. Hey, you want me to give you a preview of something I'm wanting to get in on game day as we say goodbye oh. on this Friday? Yeah. Tennessee with the new orange headgears. I prefer that <laughs> headgear helmet. And I, I went to check to see with our friend Bill Martin at Tennessee if if the big orange had ever worn orange headgear. As it turns out, they did, but they were leather. And yeah. I have a photograph of the orange leather headgear in a college football hall of famer in it that I want to get in game day on Saturday. So there you oh, go. There's that's a, a tease. Bit, that's your little bit of historical knowledge along with the origins of Floyd of Rosedale and his final resting <laughs> place. We've delivered it all or everything that we can, all except winners on Fridays on the College Game Day podcast. For Pete Thamel, Bill Connolly, I'm Reese Davis. Please download this podcast wherever it is that you like to listen. And thank you for listening. And thanks to our great crew, Taylor, and everybody back who gets this uh, on all of the fancy interweb stuff. See you next week. <laughs>